Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, the road to Houston is well underway. Championship week. The Big East Tournament, Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena, begins on uh, Wednesday. Joel Lorenzi, the World Herald, joins us. Uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. What's going on? How you doing? I'm good. How you guys doing? Good. Hey, because you might get a, you're going to get a trip back to where you were in Houston. Uh, and speaking of the Houston Cougars, I know this year, and everybody looks at college basketball and go, man, there is it's just going to be chaos. But every time I I start to dive into what could be a chaotic three weeks of college basketball, I think, man, there might only be five to eight teams that could realistically win the national championship. How many teams do you think, and you don't need to rattle them off, but you probably thought about this in your head, that you think could win the national championship, Have that you don't even hesitate on, that you think they'll win the national championship or be in the mix in uh, about a month in Houston? Yeah, there are like three that I'm actually sure of. Um, and then I think there are a few others based on, you know, I don't even know if I want to call it parody in college basketball this year. I think that the, the, the landscape is just evened out now with all the transfers and, you know, um, I guess organizations and programs being able to um, kind of level the playing field through the portal. So, um, and obviously the theme this year has been, you know, no team is really great. So I, I, while I say that there's three teams I think that I'm sure of, um, I know there's probably like three to five more teams that mm-hmm. could do it. I just don't see the vision, but they they would be able to do it this year just based on the landscape as compared to maybe previous years where it wouldn't be possible for these teams. That's just what kind of year it feels like. But I think, like, I like, you know, Houston is one of those teams I've been lobbying for all year. Um, Arizona's one. And there's there's probably a, uh, a couple of teams that I think uh, can go just as far as them. Joel, do you look at, especially if we get into that second weekend where – you know, you're seeing some double-digit seeds around, and you see what could be a product of not having that elite dominant team. Where I know it sometimes leads us to believe that there could be a little bit more chaos amongst the tournament. Are you someone that, especially when we get into the regional semifinals and finals, that you like that sort of thing, or are you someone who who kind of likes to see some of those blue bloods or you know the the, the teams that have kind of look the part for the most of the season that you're seeing them represented there in the final 16? Um, it depends. If I'm, if I'm putting money on it, if I'm in a bracket group, uh, I'll want to <laughs> see some things I'm sure of. But um, if, if I'm just watching as a fan, I mean, yeah, I think it's cool uh, to see you know, the playing field be so random and spontaneous that anybody could get knocked off. I mean, I was there in person when, when St. Peter's beat Kentucky last year. Mm-hmm. And the, the feeling was it was hard to describe, man. Um, so um, stuff like that is cool. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I do, I am one of those. I'm probably like the Grinch in that sense, but I am uh, one of those that like, I want a surefire 
dog team that I know is going to yeah. be whooping on people. And I'm, I'm hoping Houston ends up being that, but um, I, I do like to see that a lot of the time. I would like to see Houston as well because uh, back in October, I said Houston will win it in their hometown with Jim Nance, the alum, uh, calling the uh, national championship because – I think Calvin Sampson, uh, that would be a reward for him. And they're really good. They're not just Sasser. They're more. And yesterday's game in Memphis was fantastic. Uh, with that said, now let's focus on the Big East. So UConn has the best odds to win the Big East Conference Tournament at plus 200. Creighton is second at plus 300. And if you look at Creighton's side of the bracket, you wait Villanova Georgetown, albeit Villanova is only, I mean, they're plus 800. And you know they've got to run through the tournament to get into the big dance. The other side is a little bit more tricky with UConn, Providence, and Marquette sitting over there. Before we talk about Creighton, talk about Creighton's side, um, who don't you want to play? Who, who? What is a team, if you're a coach that you're preparing and you're going, man, okay, last couple of weeks, who's playing the best, who's starting to hit their stride at the right time of the year? Is it UConn? Is it somebody else that you're like, ah, don't want to play them because they are on a heater? Yeah, I, I think. I think uh, the answers are, are obvious based on uh, you know, who people. I mean, the discussions are sound like crazy, and their team um, have been evident of the team you don't want to play. Villanova is one. Mm-hmm. Um, people were debating. They, they were saying they'd rather play UConn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some were like, well, no, we, we want to play um, Villanova. And so um, I think those are the two teams that are, are trending. Um, Villanova's become a quick dark horse pick out in New York, um, just based on Justin Moore getting back in the fold and you know how how they've looked with him back. I mean, he hasn't really lost a step, and they they whooped on Creighton, and so um, they've looked poised for you know a late charge. I don't know how much it'll do for them long term. They they probably have to go all the way in New York to to you know earn a tourney bid, but. Um, and then UConn, obviously UConn. I think people, some kind of jump ship when they had that, you know, skid midway to yeah. league play. But UConn's always been good. They've always had the squad. They've always had the depth. Um, and they've always been a matchup problem for most teams. Um, you know, the physicality, um, the athleticism, the shooting on their best days. I mean, they really pose a problem for, for any team on any given day as long as they show up. And so I can easily see, I mean, even in games where they can't shoot well or it gets ugly, like they really pose a problem just based on physicality and, you know, out-muscling teams. So I I could easily see UConn, you know, stringing together a few wins out there uh, and throwing a few people off. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, to be fair, like, it's not like they were ever not good. Like, people thought because they lost, I mean, they, yeah, they had some identity issues probably and were struggling for a bit, but they've always been good. And let's assume it, hey, it's going to be Villanova and, and Creighton this time around. We, we talked about this just last week about especially the game that Dixon had, Kalkbrenner's defense, and where, again, he was maybe caught, the again, used the word in between again or the phrase in between again. What would you kind of anticipate – this time around on how Creighton wants to defend not only Dixon but more and just kind of go about their overall sort of defensive game plan based on what we saw two weeks ago? You said how would they adjust their 
game plan to Villanova. Yeah, yeah. To, if if they again they end up getting Villanova again, and you have to see that matchup again, what really kind of put Kalkbrenner in a predicament? How? What would you kind of expect to maybe look different, if anything? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's funny because you kind of want to. I don't know. You kind of just want to shrug your shoulders and go back to defending the way you were. This is the thing. Eric Dixon popped off for his best game of his career. Um, I think it's an anomaly. I don't think he's gonna play like, like, I don't think he's gonna play poorly the next time they play. But um, he definitely won't pop off for thirty-one. That, that, that's not happening. Um, I, I would bet my life on that. And so, um, <laughs> and I'm you with know, you. Yeah. And so, um, I think what happens is um, even if he starts hitting a, a couple outside shots, um, because they can't. It's not like Xavier, right? Like, they can't switch the matchup and have Kaluma on Dixon because Dixon is heavyweight, man. Mm-hmm. And even though, like, Kaluma could maybe, like, you know, they swapped there when they had the Freeman or a Nunji matchup. Um, it's not like Kalkburn is going to have an easier job, you know, with Slater because Slater is going to actually put it on the floor and, and attack gaps. Like, you just can't do it. So you have to keep Kalkburn where he is. I mean, I bet on Dixon not scoring 31 again. And, um, if he does, you know, get going a little bit, I think creating the surrounding perimeter defenders just need to give Kalkbrenner more assurance. Like, hey, you don't have to help so much. We won't allow as many paint touches. Yeah. That's really what the problem was. You know, as a, as a shot blocker, the level of shot blocker he is, he just won Defensive Player of the Year as we're speaking. Yep. Um, you know, he has the instincts to want to want to help and man the room. And so... I think, um, you know, Atina's getting paint touches. I mean, Cam Whitmore behind him, backdooring and doing whatever. He's like, man, what the hell? Like, I, I got to help. Mm-hmm. And so as long as they ease his mind, I think they'll be fine. But then again, I mean, what are the odds that, you know, Dixon goes for 31 right. again? Probably not great. Uh, so Colt gets first team all biggie. So does Sonogo. And you just mentioned, because this just dropped, Colt Brenner. And this is a... This is a heck of an award to do it two straight years in this conference that is somewhat built on defense to win defensive player of the year. Um, you know, Kalk said he maybe should have been the biggest preseason player of the year, not Sonogo. They had a nice back and forth. We've seen him go at it each other twice in really kind of two different types of games that we've seen Sonogo play. But this, this, you know, take out the, cause we know him and we cover him bias aside. This is like a no-brainer that Kalkbrenner in this league this year wins the Defensive Player of the Year, right? Yes, and 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 this is the thing. Some people are going to argue Devin Carter. I don't, I don't know how much they watch Creighton basketball, or what the the way they view basketball, or what what lens they view it through. Um, I view it through the big man. I value yeah. the big man, the son. I think, um, especially in college basketball, I mean, um, the big man is so. I mean, dude, look, the, the, if you're an NBA fan, the MVP conversation. Has they, I can't even remember a guard being in that yeah. MVP conversation in recent memory. Uh, maybe, I guess, Luka. But, I mean, the conversation in recent years is Giannis, Jokic, and Bede. Uh It's because these dudes, um, well, maybe not in Jokic's case. Jokic is an offensive anchor at that rare, that rare time you see that. Um, but Giannis is um, probably the league's best help side defender um, in recent memory. Jokic uh, can carry that defense. He's an elite defender. And Ryan Kalkbrenner is such a rare specimen at the college basketball level in terms of being able to anchor an entire defense. He's literally a walking defense. Um, you know, 
just the way he he deploys drop coverage, you won't see that across college basketball, the way he moves, the effectiveness, and how he alters shots. It might not jump off the page. I mean, he still averages over two blocks, but he's not going to average like something crazy like four blocks. Um, he probably could if he wanted to jump at everything, but he stays solid. Um, he alters shots without jumping, you know, mm-hmm. without uh, having to overexert himself. He stays and plays. He is a smart defender. He doesn't foul. He probably fouls as little as any big man in the country. And so when you put all that together, you got, you know, a defender that probably has a good chance at winning Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. I think when I look at the list, and I was talking about this yesterday, but um, it's because of Kalkbrenner that this team is probably a flow. I mean, this, this team's identity has completely changed. This is a program that has depended on offense for years. They've never been a, a team that had a better defense than offense. And this year, they're a top 10, 15 defense. And it's because of him. I mean, you saw what happened when he went out. You know, Trey Alexander, real quickly, too, as far as where he's his game has been in the last month. I mean, it's been there pretty much all year. But when you kind of look at the season that he's had and he gets honorable mention uh, for all Big East, what do you think he's kind of done to his draft stock as far as going forward and what this guy could be when it is that time? Oh, my gosh. I can't stop pushing this dude's agenda. I, uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I mean, <laughs> this is the thing with Trey. Um, I thought – he was criminally underrated in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even, I can't even remember if he got honorable mention. I don't think he did. Um, it was a, it was a lot of things he was getting passed on. Um, and I thought it was crazy because I, I knew in the preseason, I thought he was going to be, uh, I didn't think Paul Brennan would be their leading scorer. I didn't think so many of his buckets would come from this guys getting doubled or him, you know, angles and stuff. The way Paul Brennan gets buckets, I didn't think he'd be their leading scorer. I thought it was going to be Trey or Baylor, and I was honestly leaning toward Trey, and he ended up being the second leader scorer. Um, but, dude, just the, the way the shot making has come together uh, down a stretch, you know, he's averaged, I think, 15 points through his last 18 games, um, shooting a wild, like, 43% from three. Huge dump from last year. Um, the shot making is consistent. From three, he's become a real spot-up threat. Um, and he can play on and off the ball. And so, uh, and then I'm, I'm watching him navigate through pick and roll, which is obviously such a big deal if he's going to be a, I don't know if he'll be a primary initiator at the next level, but, you know, secondary, third initiator. Um, the way he snakes through the pick and roll, gets guys on his hip, is patient, uh, you know, can switch hands, uses the rescreens. Um, he just, he's in his own little world when he's in the pick and roll, and you know when he gets to that kill spot, that elbow or that mid-range, it's automatic, man. And I think that's the best thing he's got going for him right now is that, you know, that he's so dependable in terms of shot making. Um, obviously, that would have to translate. And then the thing, <laughs> I mean, I voted him for AP. I, I voted him second team all Big East. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that people aren't considering is that um, he goes out and defends the best perimeter player, man, on he top does. of all that. Um, and so he, his his – Jack Stock has boosted tremendously. I mean, I think that's the the best NBA prospect on the team right now. Yeah, that that's a whole different story when the season is uh, over to watch guys that put it in just to get a get a feel what the NBA thinks. But I agree with you. Uh, we'll let you go because you got to write a story. Uh, Rob Anderson just tweeted this out. So Kulkbrenner is the 
Uh, first repeat winner since Kyrie won two, and, and you've gotten to know a little bit about Taz and his time here. For the last seven years, Creighton's had the Defensive Player of the Year, so quite an honor for Kalkbrenner. Are you headed to uh, New York City? I am. Oh, man, have fun. Have fun. Is, is, this, your, is this your first time at the Big East Tournament? Yes, it is. Oh, was, you, you're going to be in heaven. You said what? You're going to be in heaven. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, I, I love seeing MSG at, at Big East Media Day, but, you know, it, it ain't the same. Games ain't being played. So I, I'm, I'm about to show up uh, on Wednesday to watch games. I know they're not even playing Wednesday, but I'm, I'm about to be there all day. So Yeah, it's too bad the best team that plays there is not going to be playing this week. They're going to be on the road with their nine-game winning streak. <laughs> hey, be good, my man. Safe travels out uh, east. Look forward to your coverage. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. That's uh, Joel Lorenzi. I can't get any Nick Love in Omaha. Knickerbockers have won nine in a row, man. I got a stat for you. So this is wild. And, you know, they, beat, they had no Brunson last night. They won a double overtime yeah. against Boston. And I'm not a Knicks fan, but I, I think the NBA is good when the New York sure. Knicks fans Playoff chime in. basketball yes. at the Gardens. Yeah. Great. So how about this? So... Including, and this is a little bit about Tibbs, you know, he got run out of Minnesota, and he, he wears out his welcome. He mm-hmm. did that in Chicago, yeah. did in Minnesota, and he thought he was close to doing it with the Knicks. I heard this stat last night um, because the Knicks are playing really, really well. I mean, Josh Hart, that addition, uh, Quinley last night was fantastic, is in regular season and playoff games, Tibbs coached 209 Timberwolf games. Do you know how many games... Carl Anthony Towns has played in his career in Minnesota. No. And Tibbs has been gone for a while. Yeah. 209. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Former Spurs assistant Tom Thibodeau. I mean, maybe if I would have brought up that Luca and Booker, you know, traded some barbs, had some fun yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I'm just trying to get some New York. I, I just run. feel like if there are Knicks fans out there listening, they don't want to hear you saying that because they're they're jaded right now. Even even that when even in true. the even in the best of times they're jaded right now and now you they're gonna just blame you when that first loss comes and then they go on just a downslide. Where are you at? Where are you at, Knicks fans? That's what they're gonna say. All right, good show. Lots of basketball. Uh, just a, a just just in three hundred and ten days since uh, <laughs> Iowa last beat Nebraska. In. Entertain and educate. Football, men's basketball, yep. volleyball, and baseball. Those and, are facts. And it's uh, I don't think it's been a while since Nebraska's lost a lawsuit out of the athletic department, right? <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey. We're turning it over because now I just noticed after the Big East tweeted out Kalkbrenner had won the Defense Player of the Year, Creighton, or, uh, Connecticut fans are loose. The mentions, the quote tweets, the replies about Kalkbrenner from Connecticut fans, oh my God. Are good? That's, that's going to keep you guys busy for the next couple of hours reading the Connecticut fans that are upset that Kalkbrenner was just named Defensive uh, Player of the Week. Also, don't read the replies to On3 basically saying Dylan Riola is now going to USC. Yeah. There you go. Spend some time on the website today. Uh, Typical Monday. Crossover is uh, coming up next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.